Ian Berger here from the Endure Podcast. On episode number 31, we have Aaron Goyette. Aaron is a combat war veteran who currently is a combat instructor for the Marines and is on its master battle rope coach. He is a high-profile trainer and running a program called Leaders of Leaders, explaining the new era of leadership and how you could be powerful in your own unique way. His mantra is, next one, best one, understanding that you're only as strong as the level of your training, and post-traumatic growth, turning crisis and negative events into massive opportunity for growth. This episode was super fun. Aaron and I share a lot of like-minded opinions and training protocols and things that we've learned over the years of training athletes, general pop. This is a great episode for anyone interested in training or just mindset. Hope you enjoy. An endure podcast exclusive of 50 endurance workouts. So you could select them at any time you want. Pick randomly. They're mostly comprised of running, biking, rowing, and ski erg. And most of them are roughly about 30 minutes or less. So if you're in a bind for time or you want to treat them like accessory work to get some extra conditioning in, it's a great way to do Check so. Check out our Instagram page, link in bio, to get your subscription to the 50 Endurance Workouts now. kind of the normal I, I well I call it the normal uh way I was for a guy I was in high school and I was skinny and I, I'm a hard gainer still um but I know how to gain weight now if I want to um but yeah and I, I just wanted to get big and look big and be strong um you know I didn't I didn't realize how much fitness would change me psychologically I thought it was more about this you know physiological idea of being bigger and being stronger. Um, and part of it was for girls and part of it was just to defend myself. Right. So it was like a half and half. Um, and, and then joined the Marine Corps and saw a completely different side of fitness, which is everything about work capacity and mental toughness. Um, and then got out of the Marine Corps, uh, active duty after I deployed to Iraq and, um, <laughs> I was, basically giving like nutrition advice and workout advice for free because I did it in the Marine Corps for guys that were over the weight standards, uh, height and weight standards and, and, uh, needed to either lose weight or, or pass their physical fitness test PFT. And so I was like, just given basically coworkers, uh, workout advice. And I realized that I didn't like the corporate job that I was in. Uh, I didn't like being in a cubicle. I wanted to be more active, um, and so I started from the bottom rung at an LA fitness, uh, where I had to do like 20,000 cold calls, uh, of members that were there to try to build my clientele. Uh, and, but then that's really where it started and just dove head first into lifelong learning, uh, as a, as a fitness professional and, and then slowly like kind of built it from there. That's incredible. And to talk about your experience with the Marines, um, you you kind of mentioned that it shifted your perspective of not just training for physical, but talk to a little bit of the mental side and how you applied that post um, being deployed to daily life or even being a trainer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so there's two, there's two, there's a good and a bad that's pulled from that. And I'll talk about the bad first real quick and then go into the good. So the bad is essentially uh, the old school Marine Corps mentality. And they're slowly and it's taking a long time because you're trying to change an entire culture. Um, and it still is and it still will continue to be a very Spartan like culture. Um, and so there's there is sort of a reason for this, but uh, it's about smashing you <laughs> uh, and and just doing like 
do everything. Okay, now that you've done everything, do more, you know. And uh, and we know from a scientific perspective that that's not necessarily the best way to get people stronger, the best way to get people more aerobic um, capacity, the best way. But it is a really good way to build mental toughness um, as long as you don't get hurt. And that's the big issue, right? So uh, I really did learn how to injure myself. I learned how to you know injure other people if I wanted to follow that path. Um, but I also learned that the body is pretty incredible and can do some things that most of us don't believe is even possible. Um, and so trying to extrapolate the good and the bad to, um, pursue that in not only fitness and being a fitness coach and a, and a trainer and then a business owner and, and all of this, but, um, also just, yeah, like you said, in life. Uh, understanding that, hey, we have a, a lot more, we're a lot more capable, we're a lot smarter um, than we think we are. Um, and that's the, my whole like next one, best one quote that I that I talk about all the time. It's like, or, or uh, you know, the Archilochus quote where we don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Um, but too often, I think we train to this level that is uh, soft, easy, palpable, nice. Um, and, and we forget that, man, we're made of a lot, uh, deeper qualities. We have a lot more intelligence and a lot more capacity than we, we tend to think. So trying to figure out how to do that in a way that's not as risky, not as injury prone as what tends to be the case in, in the Marine Corps and, and special operations communities and, uh, the military at large, uh, but also, okay, how do we also, you know, take the risk out, but then still deliver that mental toughness aspect. Um, and so I've been trying to walk that fine balance for shoot the last like 18 years. <laughs> I, I totally can relate. Cause I work with general pop as a trainer. And initially when I was younger, first getting into the fitness industry, I had a really hard time understanding people's inability to to delve into a little bit of uncomfort you know or discomfort and for me I, I won't say that I was ever the best athlete but I was very good at going somewhere dark going to a really bad mental place and I guess I didn't really realize that that was a skill until working with general pop and realizing how far away from that ledge that they tend to tend to to walk and now being able to have that recognition and being able to spoon feed um general people walk into the gym and kind of give it to them in doses that help them get to their goals which sounds like what you're doing is it's been the the eye-opening experience for me i know for you being part of the marines or part of any special forces or any military is it difficult to was that your biggest learning curve being like, I'm working with general pop now and I need to tone it down. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to figure out how, and, and so I, and I'm continuing to do this, uh, even to today, but trying to figure out how to put that into a narrative that's not intimidating, but is empowering. And that's right. That's the, that's the key. It's like, Hey, you don't have to be the psycho, you know, Navy SEAL or, or like yourself, Ian, right? Where you like, I can dive into a dark place and I'm like, I'm good at that. That's a skill. And it is a skill, right? Um, but how do you, uh, you know, and sometimes I will tell stories about either me being in a dark place or other, you know, phenoms in a dark place, but not to tell the story to intimidate or to say, hey, you have to be like this, but hey, we could take one step toward this if it's going to, like you said, be at a dose that's going to give you the adaptation that you're looking to get anyways. Like you're looking to, I can, if I can connect that narrative to your narrative and, and say, Hey, let's just do a piece of this so that we can bring you to where it is that you came to me in the first place. Anyways, like you wanted to lose weight or you wanted to get started. And then the cool part is that tends to build on itself. And there's a, there's a psychological shift that happens with their physiological shift and it's inextricable. You can't take it apart. It's part and parcel, right? You, if you're, if you're changing the body, the mind is changing. If you change the mind, the body's going to change. And, and so to get them on board, but with, I think the key there is, is a, a, a palpable, 
uh, or or digestible narrative for that person. And so that's always been my struggle, but also my joy is like, you know, you meet this person and some people can handle more and some people can handle less. Some people don't want to hear this story, but they want to hear that story and, and trying to just play with that and, and enjoy the process of me learning how to communicate better um, to get to help them be empowered to do the thing that they want to do anyways. For whatever reason, I'm I lost your audio. Can you, can you hear me oh, now? I can hear you now. There oh. we go. All I was saying was just that, based on general pop, right, and what you just uh, mentioned, something that's really interesting to me is that most people, because of the way that we live our lives, and this has kind of been expressed by uh, in a few books and a few different trainers and coaches. But we have this level of comfort where we don't need to feel uncomfortable. So most of us are not Marines or full-time athletes or have to do anything that is really requires too much mental fortitude or stress. So when we're put in that scenario, we, we don't know how to, to do it. And, and what it sounds like you're doing is kind of bridging that gap of you don't need to like just abandon daily life comforts, but you could also have the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, oh, shoot, I, I can't remember the book I just read um, where it, it talks about because, because we're not butting up against challenges continuously and daily, our, actually our growth is stimmied. It's, it's, or even it's, mitigated or removed. Yeah. Because we don't have any challenge that we have to overcome so we'll just that that ends our evolution that well, ends our progression i mean excuse my my terminology for it but for lack of a better words it's the pussification of america right it's it's completely i mean i talked about this with other athletes and different coaches and in the fitness industry and in sport if i didn't grow up not being like able to experience the bench or being told that i wasn't good enough or um, noticing that losing wasn't fun or that winning required hard work, but I got a participation award, I probably would be a lot different of an athlete than I am today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, um, you know, the, there's also this great negative connotation with challenge, uh, that people just have intrinsically. And I, and I think it's it, part of it is, is just part of how our brain is wired. Like if, if I see getting injured as a good thing, then I'm going to get injured all the time. And then that's not going to help me, you know, progress and, and be a better, uh, better athlete or a better human or whatever. Um, or if I'm constantly going into a relationship and, and wanting to get hurt or wanting to hurt the other person, then that's not going to make a good relationship or nor a good society if we're all doing that. So there's a, there's a part of it that I, it, that I think is good, but, but at the same time, we have to understand that, uh, you know, if, it, we talk about this with uh, with veterans, but it all it happens for all humans. It's there's a trauma, right? And and so we have this uh, idea of trauma that post that post trauma creates a stress disorder, uh, and it's a disorder. It's it's bad, right? But we forget that also there is a thing called post traumatic growth, and after trauma, there's actually a good thing. You it can actually accelerate your growth. It can accelerate your development at a level that you'll never be able to do in those small little doses that you and I try to work at getting good at for our clientele. But sometimes we need a very traumatic experience. Um, although it, you know, we wouldn't want to maybe relive it again, but it's going to change us for the good for the rest of our life. And it's going to happen immediately. Um, and that's why, like, uh, that's why, like, I'm excited to be on this thing called the process, um, because that's what the whole event is about. It's about bringing civilian uh, 
men into a scenario where we can accelerate their growth should they choose to accept it kind of a thing. Yeah. And talk a little bit more to that about some of the things that you're working on and how you're kind of, like we said in the beginning, bridging the, the gap or how are you implementing some of these principles to just everybody in the world? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a team, uh, or a cadre, uh, if you will, for somebody who was a, a, a tier one. So like, think like Navy SEAL, think like SEAL team six, um, like the ultimate special forces, uh, guy in Canada. And he's trying to bring this to civilian men that are looking to get the edge that are looking to become better leaders of leaders uh, that are looking to become better versions of themselves that are looking for post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress disorder or small doses to 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 improve behavior to improve uh personality uh, rather uh, i guess behavior um when personality meets environment and so we're we're basically setting up this eight-day course may 10th through the 17th called The Process, and you can find it at thespecialforcesexperience.com, and it's just that. It's putting through putting people through an experience that we know is going to be highly stressful, um, but we're, we're doing it for a purpose, and you know, each person that encounters this is gonna encounter it in a different way and is gonna grow from it in a different way, um, but we, we all look optimistically and hopefully on this because we've all been through it, um, before, so those those uh, obviously Gen Pop, right? May or may not want to be into that or interested in that. But there are, I know, there's a lot of men out there um, and women as well. Um, but there's a lot of men out there that they they want this. They they've never been tested. They like you said, they haven't had a challenge. They've had a super easy life. They've and and they've done really well because they've challenged themselves along the pro, along their process, their journey. But they're looking for an edge. They're looking for something to really elevate uh, their game. And so that's essentially the 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 fruit or the or the reason, the genesis for this the process. And uh, I get to, I'm super honored. I get to be a part of it as the uh, fitness rep or, or the, the guy that's in charge of the fitness instructor, the guy that's in charge of fitness with this whole thing. And the rad part is I get to rub elbows with these like top tier special operations guys. And I'm in the military and I'm in the Marine Corps, which is good, but it's not like that level. So it, it's rad for, for that experience for me. Like I'm going to learn a lot and hopefully they're going to learn a lot from me because I get to break down some of the some of the specifics of of fitness and help give them a path and and dose it in a way where it's traumatic but i've really reduced the risk um and then in hopes that they're they're going to then have that trauma that they can grow from yep. from the fitness aspect and then obviously into the other areas that are going to be provided at this um at this experience so i'm super stoked about it sounds incredible um kind of two points that arose from all that because I'm, I'm like blown away. It sounds like something that I would love. Um, and I definitely think there's a need for it because it's, um, I recently just read two books, but Jordan Peterson's 12 principles of life and yep. Sebastian Junger's tribe and kind of yep. what, what immediately my brain went to was this plague of society that is almost as existential nihilism right? Which Jordan Peterson likes to use that term a lot, right? right. But this, to kind of broaden that or make simplify it, just that everybody's searching for the meaning, right? And purpose. And when they hit that huge mark that they've been wanting to do for so long, that they no longer know how to continue on because what's next? And it kind of seems like you're talking to that and also creating community and tribe, which no longer exists in yep. society because everybody's on their phones or social media or whatever it may be. And men don't talk about things like this, right? Men, yep. especially special forces, are not like, I, I know for me as an athlete, I'm, I've had to do a tremendous amount of work on being vulnerable and tapping into that almost, I guess you would say, feminine energy of 
being able to talk about things and, and allowing people in because growing up it was I it was almost shunned if I if you talk about your emotions or you'd have a negative connotation of being soft, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it sounds incredible. It, what you're doing is really sounds like you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I absolutely. Well, that's and that's funny. It's funny that we see emotions and being vulnerable and being like our true selves or trying to even discover our true selves. Uh, we shy away from it. Like you said, the pussification of America, that's a challenge. So I don't want to. And, and most of us, that's probably mentally, psychologically much more challenging than, you know, going and doing a heavy squat or, or something like that. Right. Or uh, having to run an endurance race or like those things are challenging and ooh, a little bit intimidating, you know, whatever. But then but oh, man, talking, you know, revealing who I really am or or trying to figure out who I really like. Hell no, I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go down that road. I don't know what I'm going to find. Um, but it's like, well, shoot, if you're not willing to go down that road, then, yeah, you're uh, what I think is the, the true being, right? The, the spiritual being isn't going to grow. So then therefore, you know, mentally, you're not going to grow physically. You're not you're, you're only going to be able to get so far because, like you said at the beginning, we have these like kind of arbitrary, like small ch uh, achievements. And then once we hit it, it's like, OK, I guess. Now I have this existential nihilism because that was the only thing that I thought mattered. And it really didn't matter that much. It was just material. It was just physical. It was just, it, and now it's seemingly meaningless because I got there and nothing changed. I didn't become this, I didn't have this aura of light. I didn't have this aha moment. It was just like, I did it. Okay, now what? And I guess nothing. I guess that's it. And, and I really don't think that's it. I think that we have, there's way more depth to our being. There's way more depth to what's going on. Uh, the connection, like you said, is at an all-time low, even though we have all this media and network and stuff to bring us together, mm -hmm. it's it's becoming more and more surfacey, less and less deep, uh, less and less impactful. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're like, fuck this, flip it all on its ear, you know, and let's let's really try to penetrate, make an impact. We know that if if we build, better leaders if we build better men the, the, our society will be better and part of that better is like exactly what you said it's building a tribe it's it, it's not having existential nihilism it's having purpose discovering what that purpose is and and you know sometimes we're going to have to go through a really tough or hit the bottom hard or whatever in order in order to find that yeah and to that point right it's i i got the privilege of listening to aubrey marcus speak live and Something he said is kind of resonated for me for throughout this year is just sometimes you need to dive down to the pits, the lowest points to kind of figure out to bring back that jewel at the bottom. Right. And and with that, I feel like it's kind of helped understand that in those peaks and valleys, that's what life is going to be. And that just to to make sure that the the valleys get a little bit less each time, right? Just because through experience and having community and people to fall back on, you're able to overcome things like that. And I think in whether it's the service industry or um, whatever it is, I think that there's this huge mask of who you need to be and put forth to be successful. And it's clouding, clouding future generations it's clouding our generation and amidst it we're just losing any real truth oh uh, yeah absolutely it's it's it is truly stimming uh, mitigating reducing or even removing our true and full potential like it, it, it's it, uh, it's nuts if you've uh, i think then you would really love if you haven't already read it the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday I've, you, I've read it a few times. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. Daily Stoic every day. I've read yeah. um, pretty much all of his books, and um, it's definitely changed and altered my path. I, I started this podcast originally because after the 2016 CrossFit Games, um, I pretty much put my life on hold, and it was kind of what we spoke to initially of, 
I put all of my identity into that basket and I set myself up for a huge existential crisis because once it was done, nothing in my life changed. It was back to normal. Nobody really cared. And I had to get shoulder surgery and it was like, I can't even do fitness, which I love. And now I don't know who I am in this world or what I have to offer, which seems to be the crisis of no matter what identity you hang your hat in, people have this traumatic experience post that it's like, oh my God, what am I, what do I offer to this world? And once that happened, I was like, I have a lot of cool people in my network that I really want to kind of piggyback on and and learn from and share their their knowledge and and that's kind of where the podcast resonated from and amidst it it seems that this seems to be more of a trend than most people are willing to admit and it 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 shouldn't make me feel better that there's other people that have gone through this type of scenario but it just kind of was like okay now i could talk about it I could talk about it and there's a bunch of other people that have listened that were like, oh my God, I thought I was in depression or I thought there was something wrong with me. And it's been really enlightening to be able to share these pearls of books like The Obstacle is the Way and Ryan Holiday work and things that are changing people's lives and views because we're now pulling together as a community, whether it's just the podcast or a blog or even what you're doing in for for these leaders it's it's very cool yeah absolutely yeah that uh, i mean that yeah that book was i i I just read it shoot uh four months ago and then right after that i was like i got i read a couple more books and i'm like i gotta read it again that was that was like too good um yeah i think he i think he uh puts well it's cool because it's not even him putting it in perspective it's people that are like essentially as at least as history would would uh, read it are better than him you know he's standing on the shoulders of these giants these literary and um you know authoritarian giants and he's saying look they're not any different they they have you know daily troubles they have problems and but the thing is they've embraced that that's part of their existence that's just that's just what exists that's what's going to happen and uh, and and so to have to build a network around that, I mean, dude, that's that's rad. That's uh, I I think that's absolutely what's what's missing. Um, and I think as we as we see that <clears throat> evolve and progress and develop, I I think we that's going to be the r- revival of America, if you will, as opposed to you know trying to make everything easier and trying to make everything more convenient, like we've. You said it right. We put ourselves into a really not so good place um, from a society, societal community, community aspect. Um, but the, then, even as it, as the individuals, right, individually, we're we're not in that great of a place um, if we look around and see that. But we can, but we can change it. It's yeah. easy. A hundred percent. And to to kind of segue into how that relates fitness, do you foresee? What do you think the trends of fitness that currently exist or um, are on the horizon that are kind of playing to those points beyond just the physical realm? Yeah, so I think um, I think that we're so actually the book Spark uh, I think does an incredible job of showing and sharing how necessary and and not even just I, I wouldn't even say fitness I would just say movement. Um, but fitness as well, the ability to do a task, right? Um, and then the better fit you are, the greater your ability to do tasks, plural or singular, whatever, whatever that might be. Um, are you fit? And then, and obviously fitness, unfortunately we tend to, because it's easier for us to see the narrative, we, we pin it, you know, and, and, uh, put it into a corner and then say, this is fit. Oh no, this is fit. Um, and we do it in all aspects and areas of fitness. Um, and I don't know if we're going to be able to escape that just because the way our brains work and, and we need to chunk very complex, big ideas down into something that's um, understandable and concrete. And then we can kind of build it out from there once we get it at its core. Um, but the, the cool part is I think that we'll understand movement and the ability to do a task or many tasks um, 
and and then vary, varying that, creating as much variable uh, movement as possible, and and varying the tasks as much as as possible, as much as you have time for, as much as uh, your body will allow for. Uh, I think what we're going to see is this uh, great jump forward in our mental capacity and our cognitive ability. And so I think that they're going to see that um, fitness is is far more about changing psychology than it is about changing physiology. Although that's that's going to be the foundation. That's going to be uh, fitness at its core is changing the physiology. I think I think where we're moving with this is that you know, and and the book Spark I think did a great job of articulating it uh, from a very deeply researched. Uh, study um, is that we're, we're changing the game for our cognition. We're changing the game for our psychology. And if we wrap our head around that, it's like we can start actually truly evolving our, our brain and evolving our mind. <clears throat> and, you know, obviously Aubrey Marcus and, and Onnit talks about total human optimization. And um, optimization is just as much about efficiency um, as it is about uh you know, performance, uh, but performing at a high level with as minimal of resources as possible. But I would even want to, you know, blow that out to just just plain performance. So if we perform at a higher level, not only physiologically, but more importantly, I think psychologically, that's what's given us the edge and we're losing that edge. So if we're going to gain back an edge because yeah. of this physical thing that is fitness. Yeah. And, and I think, I haven't read the book Spark yet, but um, I think something that I I took away during being injured and not being able to compete was fitness was a daily exposure to the uncomfortable, right? And I had a choice. Every day I had a choice to either go in and do it or not. I also had a choice during the workout, push harder, go slower, go faster, right? And I think those direct decisions translate to daily life and they correlate to how you handle other situations and i think with the styles of fitness that are currently being offered and the knowledge and how the body works people are now being able to have the awareness of besides just aesthetic goals but they want to build mental fortitude and i think that during the during this period of time there's it's very interesting because there's a lot of programs coming out online experts and a lot of noise. I like to call it noise just because it's, that's what it is. It's just people claiming to be the best and trying to sell something or whatever it may be that the only, the best will obviously stick around. It will be survival of the fittest Darwinism, but the fitness speaks for itself, right? If there's no, if it's only aesthetic growth or something that's going to claim to be a magic pill, then, then you're in the wrong place. Yeah. So, yeah. that's that's my opinion on like some of those emerging fitness trends and markets and uh, entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot of great knowledge out there, but there's yep. also a lot of fluff. And I think to yep. filter through that, it's just if anyone makes a claim that they're going to change your life in a 30 day period, probably, probably look into that a little bit more. Um, right. So. For you, what does your daily routine look like? Do you have any supplements or any anything habits that is a non-negotiable? Yeah, so uh, my my big non-negotiables happen around the morning. I I, I think because of the military, um, it, I was like this as a kid, but then it just got magnified in the military. Uh, just really enjoy the morning. Really enjoy getting up before the sun and watching the sunrise. Um, and so, you know, I guess the beginning of my habits, the beginning of my routine and my non-negotiables happens with early rising. Um, and, and we see that in a lot of leaders. But at the same time, like we'll, we'll say that to kind of justify our getting up early in the morning. But there are leaders that slept in and, and still had profound impact, like uh, Winston Churchill. You know, he was more of a night owl and he kind of took naps and stayed in bed and was overweight and all the all these things that, you know, I, I'm not and I don't really... Um, ascribe or subscribe to. Um, but for me, yeah, it's getting up early and then, and then begins, uh, what I call a positive neuroplasticity training. Um, so it'll be, uh, 
uh, obviously positive meaning you know for good because our brains just naturally have this negative wiring and and it's to keep us alive it's this whole survival of the fittest right it's like if i do this thing and i get injured then that's not going to help me proliferate and and have more of me uh in this world so i'm not going to do that um so we have to flip it on its edge because every bit of media is going to say how things are horrible and you know all this stuff a great book actually to kind of combat that is factfulness um by i think it's hans sellier is the author but really good he gives like a actually the world is way better than we think and here let me prove it um but uh but positive neuroplasticity training is a way for me to help reshape my, the wiring in my brain by doing things like gratefulness every morning mm -hmm. uh thinking about three good things in the last 24 hours yep. um writing about what if everything went right, what would be my best possible future? Yep. Uh, what things that went wrong that ended up for good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of trying to, trying to change the game so that now my, my automatic feedback loop, the, it's sort of the um, autonomous system that I have because we're human or I, I have and you have and we all have because we're human is, oh, crap, this is really bad or highly critical or whatever. But then I have now an extra feedback loop that is, oh, really bad. And is it really that bad? What's the good that I can find in this? Mm -hmm. And so it's this cool, like, double feedback loop that's built in through that non-negotiable of positive neuroplasticity training. Uh, then I do uh, scripture memory. Uh, then I spend a little bit of time in the Bible. And then I meditate for 20 minutes. Um, and then I'll go into either writing or working out. Uh, but I, and I look at it, I look at it more as like a cognitive, uh, improvement or reading, Re reading, writing, or working out. Um, and, and I end up doing all three of them, but just not all in the same order. Um, because what I've built because of fitness has been my identity, much like yourself for much of my life is I know that I can, I know that I can hit a workout. So if I need to hit a workout, then I just make sure I put some other things before that that I maybe don't want to do yeah. um, because working out is a non-negotiable for me that, that is intrinsic to who I am just yep. because of where I've come from. Yep. So now all I have to do is just put something in front of it and I'm like, okay, once I get this done, then I'll go work out. But usually what happens, right, is my writing or my reading, I get really into it and I'm like, oh man, I'm glad I started this. Yeah. Um, and, and so then it's more about the writing and reading than getting through it to get to my workout. So yeah. kind of a cool way to trick my brain. It's also like saving the dessert for last. Oh, absolutely. I, I yep. look at it that way. I'm like, I'm very similar to you. I'm like, I need to get these tasks done. This, this needs to be eat the broccoli, eat the chicken. And <laughs> maybe if that cookie's around later, you'll have a piece of that. Yep. Uh, and like you said, I, it doesn't take much discipline or, uh, struggle to get into the gym for me which is sounds like it's the same for you so my mornings look very similar to yours i'm early riser as well um journaling meditating um coffee bulletproof coffee every morning um so yeah it looks very similar it's it seems to be the trend you know and get ahead of the day and make sure that you're putting your best foot forward so what would you tell someone starting in the fitness industry um and trying to go, whether it's be a trainer or uh, be an influencer or any career path as a entre fitness entrepreneur, what would be your biggest learning curve over the years that you would share with them? Yeah, so uh, it would be uh, it would be a two-part uh, share. I would say, first, focus on one thing at a time. Uh, I think my mom said it best. She's like, you better finish that before you start that new thing, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and it was usually around food. It was like, no, you can't, or, or it was around a task. Like you got to finish the weeding before you go play with your friends. Right. Uh, or whatever. But, but yeah, like do one thing at a time. And because I'm, I'm the consummate like dog that squirrel, 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 you know, like if it's shiny and it moves fast, I want to, you know, I want to get involved with it and do it. So it takes a lot of effort for me to be disciplined in one area, but that discipline has always been profitable every single time that I've done it. And it's funny, it's like, then you would think that it would just be sort of an intrinsic part of who I am, but no, it's a struggle every single time to stay focused and stay on task. I'm the same, so I could totally relate. <laughs> it's like I, I've had glimpses of discipline and 
like you, but then like that dog, you would think like, oh, wow, that yielded a great result. But now I'm going to still chase that shiny thing because it's out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> there's, exactly. there's no awareness of, or even just short-term memory of, oh, wow, that process really yielded great results. Let me replicate that. No, I think, and I think that's with most humans. I think that the ability to sustain discipline is also very difficult, but it's also, you need that balance. Once in a while, getting a little distracted, falling off of, just so you can get back on. It's it's kind yeah. of back to what we were talking about. Sometimes you need to take those really hard falls and that that's the kick in the ass that you need to, to get that next thing going. Absolutely. Well, and it's so easy to get distracted in this distracting world. There's so yeah. many vying for our attention um, and they're co- all cool things. That's yeah. it's like it's not that they're not cool or they're not good or they're not. It's just is this going to help me for what I'm, you know, my purposes and what I feel I'm called to be doing right now. And if it's not, it's like okay, check it, save it for later. Whatever you got to do, bookmark it, whatnot, and then and drive forward, finish the task, and then move uh, to the next thing. And then the so the second one that goes along with that that focus or or one thing at a time is. The whole tortoise and the hare, like uh, so much so that I ended up getting a tortoise tattooed on my shoulder because I'm the consummate hare. So I look in the mirror every morning and I'm like, okay, slow and steady wins the race. And and it's not even so much slow. It's just about steady. Um, like slow is a very subjective concept. Like your slow is maybe different than my slow or whatever. Um, but it's slow is you could fill that with more like sustainable, sustainable and steady, right? What can you sustain? in your current cognitive, physiological, psychological, spiritual capacity right now. Okay, do that and keep doing it because one, you know, the Archilochus is saying we fall to the level of our training. So the more we do it, then that just becomes who we are. But I think more than that is um, this, uh, this concept of, uh, so we tend to over, uh, we, we believe that we can get more accomplished in a week or a day, right? And and we tend to we, we tend to think that we can't accomplish much in a year or in a five year period of time. Um, but but that's the thing is we overestimate the short run and we underestimate the long run. It's, it's and, that whole micro versus macro view. And, and it's like we were saying, it's like everybody, it's human society, right? It's like everybody's looking for that short-term fix to get them the results or whatever they are looking for as quickly as possible. When we all know in reality that the, the best way to, to that road is taking the tortoise approach, you know, yeah. and not trying not trying to skip any steps or get there faster or cheat the process because that's not going to really end up where you want to be. So I, I completely agree. But the practicality of that is definitely harder than um, it, it sounds. It's easier in essence. And I feel like I preach it all the time to members and clients that I work with. Yeah. But applying it to my own life, I'm, I catch myself I'm like, you just told this person the other day, like it doesn't happen overnight and you're not, you think you're a superhuman or something. It's, it's, it's funny how it works. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, it's like very, you give great advice, but applying it to your own life is, is definitely difficult. Um, now is there anything that you're doing or training protocols? Like I said, supplements, anything that you have started experimenting with that you feel, has yielded a great result or something that is not really that public that you want to share? Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess the, with the supplementation, um, it's funny, like the more access and the more free access I've been given to supplementation, the less I've used it, which is really uh, weird, but I'm sort of, I'm honestly, I'm sort of like revamping, I'm resetting to experiment uh, with just some old stuff, but with new knowledge. Um, so like, uh, you know, creatine is like probably one of the most, uh, studied supplement, um, that's, you know, not illegal, quote unquote, illegal or, or, um, extra or whatever, uh, synthetic, like synthetic testosterone or something like that. But, um, and, and I think that I, I think it's because it was, it was so like widely marketed and uh, 
there's not really a whole lot of testing that's happening for the the supplement industry, yep. right? They don't have to adhere to certain standards like you know the pharma, you know, big pharma and the pharmaceutical industry. So there's a good and a bad that comes with that. Um, and the bad is that you could be you know taking stuff that isn't actually creatine or is partial creatine or whatever. Um, but just you know, so making sure if you're doing it, you're doing a a, a good job of of choosing the right one. Yep. I happen to know a company called Alchemist Labs. Um, I trained the the owner of it for a long time uh, when I when I owned Innovative Results back in the day, and uh, and he actually that's his job. He is he is trying to for the companies that want to have a, a, a much higher authority and a, and a much higher relevance in a world that is now, I think there is a lot of stupid uh, stupidity and people that are thinking that they're not intelligent and just kind of believing whatever is told to them. But then there's also a big chunk of, and actually millennials are in this, uh, you know, as much as they, they kind of get uh, razzed on for, for kind of being all over the place. They also are really good information uh harbingers or, or gatherers and they can do a pretty good job of systematically pulling out stuff that's real or stuff that's like nah that's bullcrap I'm not or or I can't prove that so I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go down that road yeah um so anyways he he tests supplements and supplements that are not uh, you know under the FDA uh, guys or guidelines mm-hmm. um, and so he's he's got a couple of of good ones um, uh, but I, I don't, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say what he said, because then that creates a conflict of interest. So I'm just going to shut good. up now, good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so creatine, uh, I'm going back on that train again. Um, and then glutamine, I actually took a bad supplement of glutamine when I was uh, way younger mm-hmm. and, and it did the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, it was glucosamine and chondroitin. Um, and and it like made my joints feel like I had sandpaper. Oh no! So I was like always afraid of taking glucosamine and chondroitin for yeah. my for my joints. Um, so my main supplementation right now is I do a, a small dose like multi, mm-hmm. uh, and then I do uh, fish oils. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I, I was doing. I just I I like uh, I I like regular black coffee. I know it sounds like no, gross. it's. I love black coffee too. Um, Cause I was doing the bulletproof and I really like it. Yeah. Uh, like I like butter. Um, I like fat. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but for me with, when it comes to diet, I'm, I'm so like the middle of the road guy. Like I don't get pulled into any of the new uh, fads or diets. And I've kind of always been this way. I've always read them. I've always experimented with them, yeah. but then I always come back to this. I'm like, three square meals a day. Uh, if anything, like I might kind of intermittent fast and skip breakfast. Me too. Uh, and that usually is to give me a mental edge. Like this morning I haven't eaten breakfast cause I feel like I'm yeah. sharper. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and I just had, you know, basic coffee, whatever, and a, and a bunch of water. Um, I, I think the, the main, the main thing though, that I, that I try to adhere to is having some sort of consistent program um, and it doesn't, and it doesn't have to have it, uh, a, a specific end, but I always look at it like this. Um, everything to me is, is psychologically fueled. So if anything that I can do to get an edge psychologically, it's going to give me an edge physiologically. So I always look at, I always look at my program. Can I do either one of two things from a fitness aspect? Uh, so I'm in the Marine Corps Reserve. So if I deploy, I need to be able to throw on a hundred pound pack, hike 20 miles, Jeez. see the enemy, throw my pack off, still have my kit and my weapon, run after the, the enemy for a mile, close with, engage with the enemy. Oh, I run out of rounds. Now I've got to wrestle the enemy to the ground and, and somehow incapacitate him, kill him or bind, yeah. bind him up. And I so I always think, is this program going to help me with that? Yeah. No, it, it, and you know what? It has to be functional for what your goals are, right? Yeah. You're not it, at that stage. If that's your priority, then looking good naked is probably not the most important thing in the world to you, right? Or skipping a meal is probably not the most important. Like diet should be something that's sustainable and longevity. It, it's really just relative to goals. And the, 
I couldn't agree more. Training as a CrossFit athlete or training as just to look good. It looks different throughout the years depending on what I'm training for. And I think periodization has done a good job of exposing people to, to understand that, you know, that it can't always be I'm going 100% intense year long and I hope that my adrenals hope up because that's it's a recipe for disaster. I wanted to um, add a, a little bit to it. Like sort of my differentiator in, in terms of like what I do uh, daily. So the one thing that probably is different um, than what most are doing is uh, variability of human movement and focusing on biochemical adaptations uh, or metabolic pathways. I'll elaborate on that. So uh, variability of human movement. So we have our basic you know movements: push, pull, squat, yeah. lunge, uh, gait, uh, or, or run some sort of locomotion, right? Getting us to, from point A to point B. But what we, I think what we've forgotten is like in sport and in life, the, the variables that happen with those types of movements are so high that it's really hard to replicate in a training schema, right? Because then now you, you have to work out for eight hours in order to have all these variables. So I'll do, uh, you know, what is kind of becoming a popular thing flow, but I'll look at it from a, a variable of human movement standpoint. So I'll take, you know, I'll take a squat and then I'll break it into, you know, all the different degrees that I can squat, uh, all the different ways that I can move through a squat. So moving from left to right through a squat, moving from left, uh, right to left through a squat, uh, rotating through a squat, um, going onto one toe, squatting with one foot, moving, you know, moving outside the unilateral, like not just unilateral, translateral, like moving outside of those planes that we typically train. And it's yep. cool to see that, that not only you're doing it, but it is starting to be a trend. And it's more based off functionality versus like, all right, I'm squatting, right? Yep. Bar path is certain path. And that's yep. what I train when I'm doing my legs or maybe doing single leg side step ups to a box where you're training. Like I know in certain Specific, especially when you're training sports specific, it gets you get stuck in the same routines because that's what is expected. But I feel like implementing new training pro protocols in different ranges of motion and different flows is ultimately not going to only make you healthier and move better for whatever life calls upon you, but will also have a direct correlation on those other movements and performance in those areas as well. Have you found that? Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, I still hold near and dear all those foundational movements. And that is the large bulk of my of my programming. Yeah. But adding in that very variability, that yeah. movement variability and that flow is done two things. One, I have far less chronic movement injuries mm -hmm. to have. So I used to have a lot of sacral tension, yep. low back stuff yep. knee stuff like the common like every, yeah, right? like yeah. everybody and their mom has yep. it and all complains about it and it's all but wiped out and i but I, the thing is i still adhere to 90 percent of my program is that those things that you're talking about the basic yep. basics right squat deadlift um even clean you know cleans snatches presses yep. uh pulls right but then just adding 10 minutes of variability, not even every day, like every other day, every three days. Yeah. Um, and, and just letting the body kind of discover it. The other thing I've noticed is that psychologically or cognitively, I feel sharper. I feel like I'm more coordinated. I feel like I have more control, not only movement wise, peripheral nervous system, but central nervous system. Yeah. I have more control over my day, like being able to get tasks done, which is kind of funky and weird. But then if you read Spark, you'll see like, oh, there's probably a correlation to that. There is new neurological pathways being created in your brain because you're moving in ways. I'll have to read that for sure. Right? I'll, to, I'll definitely have to read that. Um, what I was actually uh, initiating was I know that a lot of – when I asked about supplements, I've started experimenting. I've, I've been on and off for years just with the legality of it is CBD. And, okay. Um, yeah. I found for myself that it's kind of helped me relax unwind and kind of added the benefits of recovery to my to my life that most supplements have not been able to do and I was just wondering if you've experimented with it or people in your circle have or you've had any yeah. experience so I, I so 
for, I think first, obviously, it's a Schedule One, right? Federal Schedule One uh, drug, uh, or at least marijuana is, right? And then even hemp is like uh, it's getting it's getting the, the back. The, the legality of it has it's all over the place. It's it's ridiculous. So, but check this out. I so I can't. So with CBD, I probably could if there's no THC in it, because then yep. I can piss that's, clean. That's what I take. Yep. Right, and it's not a big deal um, for the for the Marine Corps because I'm still in the Marine Corps. I'm I'm held to that standard, but I'm afraid like uh, if I get if I get a bad batch or something like that, and I piss dirty, it's like yeah, I can't. I'll be like yeah, you're right. I did do CBD oil. I I wasn't supposed to, you know, according to your rules. So I'm like I don't go down that road. However. Yeah. I think it's a dumb road that's created uh, because I've got a ton of buddies that are now veterans and they're getting VA help, but VA is prescribing, you know, at the rapid, just like big pharma, all these uh, pain relievers that are opiates, that are creating addictions that they did not need. And the, and the, and the damage that they're creating, that's not even addiction, which is probably the most damaging to our society as a whole, but the damaging they're creating physiologically in their bodies because yeah. they're taking it is c- incredible. And then I've yeah. got buddies that are like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do the CBD oil anyways. I'm mm-hmm. I'm out of the Marine Corps. It's yeah. not like you can get me out of the Marine Corps. I guess the, vet, the, the VA can stop giving me care. But then now that that's going to create a, a much higher level complaint, you know, so – so I know that there's a bunch of veterans that are pushing for mm-hmm. CBD oil and and the the whole cannabinol uh, alternative medicine route, right? I guess that yeah, would be. The, the thing is, it's it's largely unstudied, but those that are studying it, oh my it's, god, it's phenomenal. Yeah. the um, the amount of breakthroughs that are happening with people with all sorts of disorders and diseases. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I agree. And so yeah, I'm all about it. Like I. If once it becomes not a schedule, because it's not if it's when. It's it's the the state farm bill is I, I think in 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 the process of being passed, and once that passed, the floodgates are going to open, and it, it'll be very interesting. Like I so I've got a I've got a buddy in Humboldt County, and he is helping write the legislation um, on all he so he helped write the legislation for the medical marijuana use. Now okay. he's rewriting it for the recreational marijuana use. Interesting. He wrote, he grew he grew weed back in the day when it wasn't you know yeah. allowed right and and made some money doing that but then he he jumped on board and became legit with when it when it was medical and then yeah. now is recreational in California so I'm actually looking to him once it becomes you know uh, taken off as a schedule one drug I'm like hey bro help me grow this at my house so yeah. that I can just only for personal and sustainable. Yeah use right like i don't need to sell it i don't need it i'm not going to try to make a bunch of money on it i just want because of the benefits of it i just want to have access to it you know a hundred percent and uh definitely it'll be interesting to see where everything goes in the next couple of months this year so i the only reason i brought it up was just because i feel like in the military it's something that a lot of people are using for an alternative to standard opiates or ptsd treatment and just wanted your opinion on it yeah, without a doubt, and I'm and, and I'm all for it, and I'm just and and all of them, all everybody's upset, you know, that it's mm-hmm. taking as long as it's taking. But the thing is, it's like, you know, we know nothing happens overnight, and especially when it's you know, there's bureaucracy and people are going to lose money. Exactly. You know, and so it's like how is it how is longer. it taxed? How does it affect big pharma? And once yep. that's sorted out, then we'll probably see it. Well, the crazy part is there. You know, we're discovering that there's things that we can do on the cheap that are actually way better than a lot of the big pharma stuff yeah. that's happening and not to, not to poo poo big pharma. Cause there's some, yeah. you know, inoculations and great things that, that can come from that, that have, that have really transformed and helped society at the same time. It's also become its own worst enemy. Yeah. And so it's like, you can't, it's hard to blame, you know, one person or one, you know, aspect. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be pointing a finger directly at them. There's just a lot of, political yeah. and bureaucratic lines that have been established and now it's like you said it's become its own beast of how do we control these confines to make sure that nobody gets too hurt or damage control and, it, and yeah. it's interesting um but like i said that's that's all i had for you i i'm sure we could do this all day dude you're 
it seems like you have so many cool things going on. I definitely have to make my way out to California and, and hang with you. Well, the same goes for me. I, I will make my way out on the East Coast, and uh, I will hit you up when I am for out sure. there. I fly around a lot and teach for Equinox. Um, cool. So maybe they'll cater a flight where, where I come in and teach there, and then I'm able to go hang out with you for a couple of hours or a day. That'd be awesome. And where can people find you? So uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, so at Leaders of Leaders, at Aaron Guyette, or at Battle Rope Exercises. Cool. And then online, uh, battleropes.org and leadersofleaders.org. Those are the main places. Cool. Check it out. I'm sure I did my research before talking to you, and all three of those platforms are great educational tools and just cool content. So make sure to check it out. Aaron, it was a pleasure. Um, like I said, when you're in New York, we'll have to kick it and uh, keep this conversation rolling. Absolutely, Ian. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad I could be a, a hopefully a value contributor on this incredibly valuable podcast. Thanks, bud.